Uh, I seen my the best sign I've ever seen yesterday, um, and uh, I don't know if I can really say it on air, but it was a great sign. <laughs> can you way. can you paraphrase what it said? <laughs> I, I mean, it just said Mookie Betts eats corn the long way. You know what I'm saying? So I thought that was very creative, and uh, shout out to whoever made that sign. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Put Me In Coach, a podcast about baseball by a couple of guys that like baseball. My name is Matt Coggins. We're supposed to like baseball? Oh, shit. I'm on the wrong show. (laughs) And I'm Carl Mizell. Listen, I know a lot of fans around the sport this week seem to not like it for some reason. And we'll (laughs) dig into that. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's been a rough week. It's been a rough year for some teams. Yeah. We're, we're not supposed to have rough years. You know, specifically Mets fans, and I want to dig into this later, maybe in, in uh, Tiger Talk, yeah. I don't know, but grow up. <laughs> That's my message to Mets fans. <laughs> Come on. Um, today on the show, we're going to cover weather, we're going to cover rain delays, maybe dig into a Taylor Swift story I read today, uh, walk-up music, we're going to talk baseball news, gambling uh, uh, perfect games, Shohei Otani being amazing. Uh, you know, we got a lot to talk about as always, cause it's baseball. It's baseball, baby. Yeah. Baseball and, and, and a little T Swizzy as well. Yeah. A little Taylor Swift talk. I don't get, don't get a lot of Taylor Swift. I bet you this is the only podcast, the baseball podcast that does some Taylor Swift talk. As it should be. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So Taylor Swift's OPS right now is, uh, no. <laughs> She can't hit a curveball. All right. Well, what do you see? You want to dig into the baseball news? You want to just jump into this? Yeah. Yeah. Get after it. Um, there was this big controversy in college baseball this week, uh, coming out of the University of Alabama or Alabama University, whatever one. Who the, cares? Alabama, the big college in Alabama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mostly known for its football yeah, acumen, but I think they they do play baseball there too. The head coach there was fired. Because he was supplying information that led to suspicious bets on their baseball team in a game against LSU. The gambling commissions in several states as well as individual sports books just halted all bets on the Alabama team uh, due to some very uh, specific bets that were coming out in very large sums. Like some prop bets that were like, oh, they're going to pull X pitcher at the top of this inning. Here's $1,000 on that. And sure enough, it happened. Uh, a little suspicious. <laughs> Um, extremely suspicious and and I'm really surprised that the coach had never heard of I don't know the 1919 Chicago White Sox for example like didn't turn out well for them (laughs) well and um gambling in baseball is is very interesting I don't I I like to to play around with the sports books but I never do it with baseball because it feels like a fool's gamble literally um and that's that's kind of how I've always kind of felt about it. Baseball is too much of a game of chance to put money on it. Um, that said, you know, there's moments like this. Yeah, it's also a very easy game to uh, rig. And um, this it, this one in particular, the coach was communicating with somebody that was uh, at a game at Great American Ballpark. Um, and that's, I think, what kind of flagged it is like, Something about the bet that went through while he was in that stadium um, caused the whole state of Ohio to be like, okay, no more bets on Alabama. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a, a, a really bad sign. Anytime, a, a, I don't know much about sports gambling, but I know that anytime they stop taking bets on something, that's big shit. Yeah. And <laughs> something's going on. Um, the Padres gave away a dog calendar uh, on this past Sunday's game. Every month will feature a picture with a player and his dogs, except for August. Uh, Juan Soto, who has pet allergies, instead went to a nearby pet store and took his in front of a fish tank. <laughs> in uniform. Which I, I saw this, I saw this, and I just love the idea of Juan Soto walking in, wearing cleats. He's got to wear the cleats so you can hear the clip, clop, <laughs> clip, clop through the linoleum. Um, and people are like, what the hell is that sound? And he just walks up, smiles, takes that photo, and then just clip, clop, clip, clops back out. I, I just, I, I love that. Do you want to buy anything, Mr. Soto? No, I'm good. Um, no, it's I literally, it's, it's like... Next just next to the fish tanks it's not even that good of a picture it's just him like yep here i am next to the fish that aren't mine why even put there's there's bound to be more than 12 guys on the team right he doesn't have to be in the calendar i mean on the one hand yes there's 26 players that you could choose from on the other hand uh are you gonna go with juan soto or uh little known reliever nabal Krismat? Like there's a star. You know, <laughs> at least people, I know. Yeah, that's a. Oh yeah, that, I shout out to Sarah. I can't remember her last name, but she does a great series of TikTok videos with baseball players that have Star Wars sounding names. Uh, just go Google it. You'll find it. It's great. Uh, MLB is testing an enhanced grip ball in the Double uh, A Southern League this year. One month in, the strikeouts, walks, and wild pitches are up. Batting averages are down. Hitting uh, hitters and managers are frustrated, and pitchers are generating huge amounts of carry. What does that mean, huge amounts of carry? Uh, I, I think I, I think it means that the ball is flying further. Um, we mentioned it a couple weeks ago. There was an unusual no-hitter in, in double-A baseball between the uh, Rocket City Trash Pandas yes. and the Birmingham Barons. And when I heard this story about this ball, I got pretty pissed off because nobody, nobody thought to mention that they were using this ball in that game <laughs> that this is the type of ball they were using we heard about that crazy no hitter and then we heard about this and now that crazy no hitter uh makes a lot more sense and if you didn't hear that episode or hear about the crazy no hitter uh the rocket city trash pandas lost a no hitter they threw the no hitter and lost the game by by walking and, and uh by walking and, and plunking uh and throwing a wild, a lot of wild pitches in one inning they gave up seven runs uh on, and on no hits and this ball, a lot of people feel like is contributing to that. Um, and yeah, like I said, my, my, my best guess, I think the ball is just flying a lot more. Yeah. I like that they're trying it. And I'm glad because that's what uh, Nippon Professional Baseball, the Japanese league does, is they use sort of a tackier ball. It's also a little bit smaller, uh, if I remember correctly. But uh, they got to do something because otherwise yeah. you're going to keep getting uh, Phil Cuzzy on the warpath, throwing out guys left and right because their hands are just a little too sticky for his liking. There's also a matter of consistency, which I think we talked about in the aftermath of the Scherzer. Uh, yes suspension was that like they're saying like there's no way to get a consistent amount of of tackiness to the ball you either you know you can use as much uh rosin as you want but depending on the environment you're in if it's hot it's cold if you're in colorado versus uh uh atlanta i don't know what what's a good uh sea level <laughs> stadium is atlanta a good one uh it's close uh, tampa florida tampa, i think those yeah. are both pretty close to see or tampa tampa miami but also very humid places, you know? So it's like yep. uh, to climate control the ball as much as possible and and uh, make it consistent between stadiums. I'm all for is just 
I, I love how the last couple years uh, farm systems have been used as guinea pigs for these little rule changes and, and uh, yep. alternate poor guys. Yeah, I saw one where it was like um, they, they had to throw a batter out uh, who was running to third or, or he was running home. I forget. There were something like four transfers in between the guy catching the ball in the outfield. He drops it and then he tries to throw it to the pickoff man. He drops it. Then he or the cutoff man. And then he tries to throw the third baseman. He drops it. Who then tries to throw to the catcher? Who drops it? Probably related to. I don't know. You'd think they'd be able to hold the ball better, but maybe there's something with fielding it makes it a little harder. This new ball. Yeah. I also you don't watch a lot of climate control. Oops, sorry. Go ahead. I don't watch a lot of AAA games or, or minor league games, so maybe maybe I just uh, happened to find that one. <laughs> yeah, that was just a lucky find. I, I was going to say you mentioned the climate control. A fun postscript to the Mexico City series. Apparently, they were using a humidor. Uh, to try and climate control the balls, like you mentioned. But as it turns out, uh, if you use a humidor, you have to be conscientious of the actual humidity levels in the city that you're using it in, because while Coors Field is a mile above uh, sea level, it's also a lot drier, as opposed to Mexico City, which is 7,000 feet above sea level, but has a uh, average relative humidity, humidity this time of year of 50%. So you have to Whoa. adjust the humidor, which they did not, apparently, thus having the opposite effect, which actually makes the balls fly even further. Uh, so that's Jeez. why we might have seen uh, 11 home runs in, was it 11 in one game, I yep. think, or 11 over the course of the series. Yeah, uh, 11 so in one game. there you go. Yeah, adjust your humidors accordingly. Well, speaking of home runs and legends, Shohei Otani has reached his 500th career strikeout, meaning that he and Babe Ruth alone are the only two players in history with 500 strikeouts and 100 home runs. And I don't think he's stopping anytime soon. Might hit a couple no, more. No, <laughs> I, I think he's got a few left in him. Strikeouts or home runs? Probably both. He's probably yes. something closer yes. to 5'10 now. Yeah. Um, what a legend. That's all I got to say. It's Shohei Otani. He will continue to impress. <laughs> it, I, I cannot remember a time in my life where I felt so genuinely lucky to be able to watch a player in their prime like Shohei Otani. If you if you are somehow like, man, F that guy. I don't like Shohei Otani. Seek therapy and figure out what's wrong with your life where you cannot appreciate the greatest player we've ever yeah. seen in several lifetimes. I think most of the feeling is, God, I wish he played for my team. But <laughs> that's, what, that. that's what I feel. Uh, there's, there's rumors that he might want to play on an East Coast team, and it would make me so sad if he became a Yankee. But... Um... Very happy if he became a Met. We'll see. Yeah. I, yeah. Let's see how he feels about the Midwest. Yeah. Detroit? Uh, Nothing? Uh, no. I don't think they could afford him. Uh, Gotta buy a lot nah. of pizza for well, they that. Got, they're coming. They, they got $40 million coming off the books next year, just in two players. That's all I'm saying. But anyway. <laughs> um, uh, the uh, broadcaster for the Oakland A's, as if they're, the Oakland A's weren't in enough trouble right now, uh, dropped... The N-word live on air while discussing the Negro League Museum. Um, slip of the tongue, uh, maybe a mumble mouth, maybe he didn't intend on saying it, but definitely came out with a hard R N-word, and uh, he is suspended yeah. indefinitely. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people have come out and said, hey man, it was a mistake. Bob Ritchie, the, the president of the, ne the Negro League Museum, uh, offered a statement and you know offered forgiveness. I heard it. I was like, I don't think it was intentional, but it was definitely 
there. Yeah, so, it was that uh, word. Uh, you might not have intended on saying that word, but he did say it, and that's kind of you. You kind of have to at least fire the guy for a minute, suspend him for a minute. It was Jack Morris did that awful uh, racist impression of Shohei Otani last year and was gone for like two weeks. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that was much worse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Glenn but he's Kuiper gone now forever. Uh, is yeah. Oh well. Well, have fun, Jack. You you can live on your your laurels and your World Series victories, but uh, we'll see what happens with Glenn Kuyper here in, in Oakland. And uh, I, I I don't think it's going to be forever. I, I do think they'll welcome him back. Yeah, yeah. He was also just so excited to be in Kansas City eating some barbecue. That's how the sentence started. He's like, "We got some barbecue. We," and then says the N word. <laughs> yeah. Um, hope the barbecue. And his co- his, I, he went to Arthur Bryant. Exactly. He's got a lot more time. He's got a lot more time to enjoy barbecue now. Um, the Yankees plucked Randy Arozarena twice after he pimped a home run in his first at bat. He did the Randy Arozarena, you know, thing. He does. He has a thing. He has got a bit this year that he started in the WBC, and now that he's been playing very well in the league, he's been um doing that when he does things. He basically starts to round third, does his cool little arms crossed move, and then. Both of his next at-bats, the Yankees plunk him, uh, which led to a, an argument and a warning where the Rays manager came out and he got ejected. Um, kind of goes into our unwritten rules thing uh, last yep. episode where it's like, you've got to plunk a guy if he's showing you up or whatever. Um, disagree. Yep. He's got a fun little bit. Look, I'm not a Rays fan, but uh, let the guys have their fun. They're playing very well. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's the dumbest thing. It is the dumbest thing to you know give up a home run and and then have somebody you know entertain the fans entertain their team entertain the people at home people are watching uh, you know and there's cameras you guys see the cameras they're on there's red lights on the top to tell you they're on uh it, it's it's supposed to be fun and if you don't like it pitch better that's that's yeah. it I'm, I'm sorry do do better you know if you don't you don't want somebody to hit a home run off you don't Give them the pitch to hit. It is fascinating to talk about the Yankees right now. They're riddled with injuries and, and poor performances. Um, they're last in their division. They're still a uh, better than 500 team and uh, still have playoff aspirations. The AL East is just a fascinating division. Oh, God. I can, it, it, Yeah, I'm just glad that my team, my my favorite team does not play in the AL East. Uh, yeah. because, <laughs> because as we've talked about many, many times, uh, the Detroit Tigers... Uh, can destroy anybody uh, that isn't in the AL East this year, apparently. Yeah. Uh, finally, in baseball news, the Pirates have been on a losing streak since demoting Drew Maggie. He's, uh, they're still the uh, best record in their division, if not the NL. I could be wrong. Um, but a seven-game losing streak, and I don't think it's related to demoting Drew, but I don't know. They they made a big show of calling him up, and now they're like, okay, well, uh, you're going to go back down to double A. And they haven't been the same without him. And that one hit that he got, I'm just saying. Yeah, they uh, the Pirates still lead their division by half a game. Uh, but they have, let's see here, it looks like only the third best record in the National League. But still, okay. that it's the third best behind the Braves and the Dodgers. Um, so, right. you know, they're doing okay. Uh, I don't think they're going to rush and call him back up to uh, break that particular slump. But uh, it is it is rather karmic. To be like, yo, you made a big show of this, and then you sent the guy right back down. All right, you got to lose a few. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to our first topic of the day. Weather delays. Um, 
So I'd like to start by, uh, as we mentioned, discussing Taylor Swift. She played a rain-soaked <laughs> show in Nashville last night, or Sunday night, after a four-hour rain delay. She delivered a 45-song performance, which is, that's fucking insane. 45 songs, three minutes each. That's like, what, That's hour too much. and a half, two hours? And yeah. she dances and she does all this stuff at the same time. Wow. Uh, the performance ran until 1.30 in the morning. You're not getting home until three. It's Nashville. There's traffic. Uh, T Swift performs after a rain delay, and it extends the I was gonna say the game, the show until that long. How does it fare for baseball? Um, and we kind of got inspired to talk about this after both the Mets and the Tigers spent nearly half of the last few weeks in rain delays or postponements. Um, so we kind of decided let's go on a deep dive. Let's see what it takes to. To make a rain delay happen and, and how you can mitigate it. And also, um, what are some games that they've played under even worse weather and they actually played them? Um, so, you know, baseball is one of the very few sports that's actually affected by weather to this degree. You know, football, they kind of play through anything unless there's light. That's kind of the general rule for football. Uh, I'm not very familiar with soccer, but I, I think it's kind of a similar rule. Hockey, of course, is mostly indoors, as is basketball. So you've got baseball, the a game that probably should be played indoors, but it's played outdoors because it's summertime and it's normally beautiful out in the United States. Um, but it's not always summer, nor is it always beautiful out, uh, especially when you start your season in April and have some teams that might play in the Midwest, the Northeast. Um, now, rain, of course, is the most common cause for a delay, and that's because the field conditions have to be playable and safe. So if it's a muddy infield, if the pitcher's mound has a puddle on it, if the grass is too wet in the outfield, that could be dangerous. Um, so they try to make it as safe as possible under these kind of conditions. Um, you know, the game could be paused for anything, though. Uh, you know, thunderstorms, the field's fucked up. There's a swarm of bees attacking the players. That's happened before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have you ever been to a game that was rained out or been in a rain delay? I have not. I've been very fortunate to have never had that happen to me. Nice. You? Yes. Uh, a couple times. I, um, you know, growing up in Michigan, especially mid-Michigan, the drive to Detroit can be kind of long. Uh, so uh, we, my dad, I went uh, with my dad for his birthday one year and my cousin Josh had joined us. We got about, I don't know, 20 minutes south of Flint. And it's raining. Like We're like, I don't know if they're going to get a game in. It's, it's raining kind of hard, but maybe they haven't said anything yet. And because of that, you kind of have to go, right? Um, so we're like halfway to Detroit by the time they call the game. And then they're like, oh, well, we'll make it up in October. So keep those tickets for a game in October. This was June. And I'm like, well, fuck, that sucks. So we ended up turning around and going to Soaring Eagle, uh, which is far less. Gambling is far less fun than baseball. Yeah, no, it's um, you said that and it immediately clicked in my brain. I'm wrong. One time. Uh, my wife and her parents, we went to Detroit for a game and it was raining. So we went to, uh, I think Greek town, yeah. uh, Greek town casino to wait it out. And then eventually I checked my phone and they were like, yep, no, it's postponed. So then we just went to Pegasus, uh, and got Greek food and it was actually better I mean, instead of like sitting outside that. after. Yeah. No, cause, cause it was in July baseball or in Michigan in July. You, you know, the feeling after it rains and then the rain goes away and then all of the rain sitting on the ground starts to evaporate in that heat. And it feels like you're walking through soup. Yes. I was much happier inside air conditioned buildings, eating Greek food. Yeah. A fun fact about me is I, I have a July birthday and, uh, 
without fail, every year on my birthday, it will rain. And it's the worst kind of rain. And I've been in it mostly, you know, trying to celebrate my birthday in various fashions and getting drenched. Uh, Stories for another time. But I did um, last year go to a game that was delayed because of rain. Um, And that's not fun. Like to just sit around and wait for the game to resume, especially when there's nowhere to sit because you're getting (laughs) rained on. Um, Yep. You know, we were at Yankee Stadium. It was just a, a random game between Yankees Royals. Um, the Royals were up before the delay. Um, we saw a judge home run. It was like, oh, this is a fun game, but whatever. And it was it was just late enough. I think, you know, uh, far enough into the game where they could call it and call it an official game. And we waited for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes before we were like, yeah, hey, let's go home. We had uh, my, uh, my wife's little brother and sister with us. We were like, yeah, hey, we got kids. Like, it's going to be a subway ride home. Like, let's just go. And then get back on the train probably about one station after Yankees Stadium. Game's resumed. Aaron Judge hit another home run. The Yankees are up again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but kind of glad I didn't wait it out. What, what's the point of waiting it out sometimes? Unless it's going to be yeah. like Game 7 of the World Series which we'll get into. <laughs> um, you know, occasionally games will get moved to a neutral site. Uh, the 2007 series between Cleveland and uh, the Angels occurred amidst a historic and historic snowstorm, Grammar Police. Uh, the games were played mostly in Miller Park in Milwaukee, which is enclosed, also known as nowadays Great American. No, that's the other one. American Family. Yeah, that's um, the American Family yep. Field. Whatever. Yeah, AmFam. That's a American Family Ballpark. I think yes. is what they go with. Which uh, has a roof. We remember this from opening weekend when they did a, a flyover, and the roof was closed. So. <laughs> Still one of the funniest things I've seen in a very long time. Um, MLB doesn't actually keep rain delay statistics, which was kind of a disappointing thing. Uh, going on a deep dive for this episode. But as far as I can tell, the longest rain delay in history was seven and a half hours in August 1990 between the White Sox and Rangers ultimately resulted in a postponement. Just call it. <laughs> like the whole time they're like, we thought we'd be able to go play again. Like, come on, just call it. Seven and a yeah, half hours. You're not, you're not picking up after that. No one is. No. Um, there was one famous rain delay, probably the most famous rain delay, uh, was the 17-minute pause after the ninth inning of a tied Game 7 of the 2016 World Series. The Cubs famously won after the team took the field in extra innings. They got a big ol' pump-up talk from one of their players in the tunnel, and they came out and, and won in extras after a rain delay. Cleveland kind of thinks that the, the gods frowned upon them because of that rain delay. That's fine. It's Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, we, we kind of had this talk the other day after after the, the rain delays canceled a, a couple of games with the Tigers, the Mets, um, what uh, and, and baseball in general. Everybody says every time there's a rain delay, God, we need every stadium to be enclosed, to have a roof on it. And, and this has been a baseball conversation since the days of old. Uh, they opened the Astrodome in 1965 specifically because of wanting to control the elements. And then that led to a whole era of multi-use domed stadiums the Metro Dome, the King Dome in Seattle. Uh, usually they were also sharing with 
other kinds of teams like football. Um, but but now nowadays there's only one fixed roof stadium in all of baseball, and that's Tropicana Field. Um, there's a bunch of of uh, what do you call them? retractable roof stadiums of varying qualities. Um, the most recent one that was built is the one in Texas. Uh, that I've been, I, I don't know the name of it. I call it Costco field because it looks like a Costco on the inside. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It looks, it looks like they're playing it in a, like a business park or something or yeah. like, like a, like they built a mall with a baseball field on in it. It looks very weird. Uh, and I can't remember the name of that, that field either. Um, I know you and I talked about this and we were in somewhat of a disagreement. Uh, you think that, I mean, I agree with you. No domed stadiums. Yeah. Um, but I think that every, uh, temperate, uh, I think that every temperate city, you know, every team that has a, 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 every team in a city with a temperate climate is what I was trying to say should at least have a retractable roof. Um, obviously you can't go back and retrofit everything, but I think that going forward (laughs) from this point now, going forward, if you're going to build a new stadium in a temperate climate, it must have a retractable roof at minimum. Uh, I just don't see the need to lose games. And plus it complicates travel. It, it complicates routines and preparation. Just build, the, if you're building a new stadium, build a retractable roof. Everybody else will get grandfathered in. Don't go, don't go and try and put one on Comerica Park. Yeah. But I think if you're building one going forward, it better have a retractable roof. That's where, I, that's my opinion. Because there are people that drive from hours away people like myself that travel to go to ballparks and then you're you're completely screwed because of rain like just you see rain in the forecast close the roof that's where i stand i don't disagree and i think you can make a really nice looking stadium with a retractable roof like i love uh, t-mobile park in seattle that's a gorgeous field i saw one um maybe i can link it in the notes but there's one that they just built out in korea japan somewhere out out in the east they um it's gorgeous gorgeous lots of windows so it kind of feels outsidey and it's the it's the sliding type of retraction where it sort of just kind of pours off the the top you can have Mm -hmm. sun however this is the baseball traditionalist this is the baseball conservative in me i think that it's a game that deserves to be played in the elements regardless of what those elements might be and that's just my old school way of thinking about the sport and i know i'm probably wrong uh you know during my research i found that uh you know the coldest game ever played was done in uh 23 degree weather with a foot of snow on the field that had to be cleared off right before the game that was in that was in 2013 when was that 2013, April 2013, between the Rockies and the Braves in Coors Field. Um, oh, I remember that. And then the next day, it was still 23 degrees, and there was more snow on the field they had to clear off. So the whole series, they couldn't do anything. I don't know why they didn't postpone it or whatever, but it can be very cold. You know, the Tigers have played famously in the snow before. Um, you know, there's bugs. What's this? Uh, the bug game, ALCS uh, game two in 2007. A swarm of yep. midges and... Uh, and bugs were getting in the player's eyes and nose. Um, <laughs> it went into extra innings. Um, you know, bugs can happen. Wind can happen. There was a, um, what would, which one was that? There was an all-star game that had to get uh, delayed because the wind was literally knocking the pitchers off the mound. Um, there was a dust. Blowing them into box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think they balked in the tying run because of the wind. Um, 2001 World Series, there was a dust storm that was throwing trash onto the field. <laughs> um, the craziest one was 
2008 World Series, Game 5 was halted and then postponed because of rain, torrential rain. And then the next day was postponed again because of snow. (laughs) So eventually Philly would win. Uh, But yeah, Philadelphia actually has a lot of these entries of bad weather causing delays. I mean, they make it to the postseason a lot and Philadelphia... The Northeast in general in October isn't exactly ideal for playing baseball in. I don't know. It just, baseball is an outdoor summertime sport. And I know that it doesn't always take place in the months of June through August. There's the spring and fall to deal with too. But I, I don't know. It just it feels wrong to ever have to play baseball inside. Yeah. That that's totally fair, and I, I it were it not it, were it any other sport uh, except basketball, uh, I guess, because you'd be slipping and sliding all over that poor floor, <laughs> that hardwood floor. But uh, if it weren't for the fact that a huge component of baseball is large men throwing hard baseballs mm-hmm. at high velocities at other big men, uh, I would be more inclined to agree with you. But the idea, like I, I've you know, pitchers are like, I I, I don't want to kill a guy, I don't want to Ray Chapman this guy just because we're trying to get a game in. You know, either postpone it and play it tomorrow or put a dome on it. Yeah. A retractable dome. Because <laughs> I still I, I don't I I I have been in one dome, funnily enough, the Rogers Center. I saw mm-hmm. the Tigers play Toronto in 06 and it was uh, a very cold June day. It was like 40 degrees in June. Um, in, in it was crazy in Toronto and they just had they had the roof closed and it it, it didn't sound like baseball. Yeah. It just sounded wrong. Everything was echoey and it just, it, it felt like we were in an airplane hangar. It was wrong. So I, I wouldn't want to do it all the time. <laughs> but uh, if I also was driving 90 minutes from my home to uh, Detroit to go see a Tigers game and there was a possibility of rain, I would like some assurances before I left. So either call it immediately. And last week they did that. They did a very good job of just saying, yo, don't even, yeah. don't show up. Yep. We're postponing it. Don't, don't come. They released the statement and okay, good. I know not to come. I, Say uh, the Tigers have to... been better about it than most teams because I've I've seen the New York teams will wait forever before they call a game or they'll do it they'll do it way too early even though the weather doesn't indicate rain at all so it's sort of one of those weird things yeah. that they do I don't yep the ti- it, what it's it leads to one of my favorite sports things which is a Monday game a Monday night game gets delayed. And then so they add it to the two. So that game, the tickets for that game are good for the Tuesday afternoon makeup. And of course, if you're if you're going to a Monday night game, chances are you're not going to take Tuesday afternoon off to go to the game. So there's like 80 people in the stands. And it just it sounds it's like it was like the COVID games, but they they opted not to pump in the sound and just go with what they had. So it's. It's so it's just like the the hot dog vendors and the 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 season ticket holders who are retired. Right. Yeah, way <laughs> too many to people were critiquing Detroit's attendance for that game in particular, where it was like, wow, no one's at this game. It's like it's a Tuesday afternoon in May. What do you expect of the people of Detroit? Like, and even then, like yeah. I'm sure you're gonna spend your ticket on the Verlander game, which was well attended. So I don't. We'll talk more about it in Tiger exactly. Talk. Yep. Um. Yeah, uh, some footnotes for everybody uh, that'll be down there linked under the description. We're ta- uh, a Bleacher Report list of the nine worst weather games uh, by Mark Miller. It's a little outdated, but mostly mostly the worst. And then Weather Bugs, wackiest Major League Baseball weather from 2020. A little supplemental reading for you guys to dig into some of the weirdest conditions people have played under. Um, but we're going to shift gears now and talk about walk-up music. And there's my walk-up music. <laughs> there you right go. Right there. Just a little bit, just a little That's bit there. Now, uh, walk, 
Yeah, exactly. Walk-up music is uh, is such an ingrained part of Major League Baseball now that some teams will actually like on the big scoreboard that when a guy comes up to the to the plate, it'll tell you who like the 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 name of the song and the artist because people want to know that. Uh, but it wasn't always the case, and it's actually a very uh, relative to the history of baseball. It's a relatively modern phenomenon. Um, if you want to trace it back and you want to go like all the way back sort of to like the first time music and baseball sort of co-mingled, you would have to go back 120 years uh, to the 1903 World Series, also known as the first World Series, uh, Boston's famous Royal Rooters. Uh, they would come to the games. They, they There was a local tavern owned by Ned McGreevy. Uh, and he, there was this band that would hang out and they'd go to the games and they would play Tessie along with other songs. If you want to hear Tessie, uh, Dropkick Murphys did a famous, uh, pretty authentic version, uh, of it back in 04 when the Red Sox finally broke the curse of the Bambino. Go, mm -hmm. go look for that. Um, clubs started to follow in their footsteps, footsteps and started hiring pep bands. Uh, but a, a the the first real like you know first real example of a team sort of leaning into having music all the time at a ballpark was when Wrigley Field and the Chicago Cubs installed an organ at Wrigley Field uh, at nineteen in nineteen forty one, which laid the foundation but not the true beginnings of the walk up music. That would wait uh, it would take another thirty years, but also in Chicago, when uh, the Chicago White Sox added an organ and hired an organist by the name of Nancy Faust. She is essentially the mother, the grandmother at this point of, of walk-up music. She had performed at, a, at some sort of gala event that was you know, attended by a lot of local sports luminaries, and she sent a letter to the Chicago White Sox and was like, hey, I'd like to come play your organ. And they were like, we have an opening. And so she came and she showed up and she, she got hired. Um, and she knew nothing she about listen. baseball, too. She like exactly completely yeah. baseball she knew, literate. <laughs> yep, she knew nothing, which is why she would listen to the radio broadcasts in the booth. Because back then they didn't have to worry about people swearing on the air, I guess. So there was no delay, and she would listen to uh, the broadcasts and try to pick up the slang and the lingo. And the White Sox had just hired a then unknown and not yet Chicago icon broadcaster named Harry Carey. And so she, you got to give the, the, the massive, you got to give, you got to do double DJ air horn, Howard Dean scream. There we go. That's Harry Carey. <laughs> For Harry Carey. Um, and she noticed that he would, she would play songs and then he, she would hear him on the air acknowledging it. So it sort of became this sort of call and response. And so she decided to kind of take it. A little bit further, she heard uh, Harry Carey refer to Frank Howard as too big to be a man, but not big enough to be a horse. Um, so she played I Feel the Earth Move Under My Feet. Uh, the, the, this is the song that I, I had read something recently that, I, that had given me the impression that this song, uh, this thing that I'm about to mention was like the first walk-up song. But researching this, I learned that I was wrong. But she would play Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, for Chicago White Sox legend Dick Allen, uh, after he homered, the, he homered after the first time or one of the t earliest times she played it. And so she was like, well, screw that. I'm going to keep playing it because mm -hmm. it's obviously good luck. Um, years later, uh, Harold Baines, the fringiest Hall of Famer in modern history, Harold Baines, 
uh, was very known for it was very well known for his quiet demeanor. So she uh, started playing "He's So Shy" Aww. for Harold Baines, um, and no real big leaps in walk-up music technology uh, for about. 20 years until the Seattle Mariners started using the PA system at that massive cavernous kingdom. Mm. Uh, and they would pump in pre-recorded organ music uh, into the stadium. And uh, in 1990, their senior vice president of marketing, marketing and communications, uh, Kevin Martinez said, quote, we were doing all these instrumentals, almost like an organist, if you will. We, we weren't playing lyrical songs. Uh, we had Jeff Leonard in 1990, the hitman, obviously, with the Giants in the World Series. But he came to the plate, and we would just play the sting or theme from Dragnet, which uh, I don't think anybody still alive remembers that song. I barely remember it. Um, they did the same thing with Alvin Davis. They would use Paul Simon's You Can Call Me Al. Um, but players still weren't choosing it. Like they weren't, they weren't given choice or anything. They would play the famous riff, you know, from George Thorogood's Bad to the Bone. Uh, so they would play that in the chorus for Jay Buhner. Uh, this one seems so obvious when you think about the cultural impact of Ken Griffey Jr., but they would play uh, Hip Hop Hooray by Naughty by Nature when Ken Griffey Jr. would come to the plate and get everybody pumped up. Uh, other teams started to notice, uh, the Anaheim angels started playing, uh, George Clinton's atomic dog for Chili Davis, uh, outfielder Chili Davis. He had not requested it. He just happened to notice that every time he came to the plate, atomic dog would start playing, which is, that would give me a, yeah. a, a, a real confidence boost. If I was like, Oh damn, some <laughs> George? Got a little special song for me. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, one of the, uh, the, the, one of the first known instances of a player requesting music comes from another Anaheim Angel, uh, infielder Gary DeSarcina. Uh, without his input, they started playing Billy Squire's The Stroke when he came to the plate. Uh, his wife was like, what's up with that? I don't know why are they doing that? And he's like, beats me. Uh, he hit one of his first home runs early in his career. The, the article I found said one of his first home runs. And then that night, him and some teammates went to go see Rush because he was a huge Rush fan. And so he started requesting Rush's Limelight be played uh, for his uh, his appearances, yeah, which is a great a tune. One. That's a solid don't... walk up. Song. Oh, yeah, that's an excellent. I, I love it when uh, 97.1, the, the Tigers flagship station, comes back. They have a lot of radio like music bumpers. And yeah. when they have that one in there, I'm like, fuck yeah. Um, Lenny Dykstra. Uh, took the idea and ran with it in a very Lenny Dykstra manner and began requesting different songs for every at bat because Lenny Dykstra was and continues to be a huge asshole. Yep. <laughs> um, so he uh, cornered the the music director or the, the music coordinator was like, we got to we got to change this up. So next game for my first at bat, I want you to play Hold My Hand by Hootie and the Blowfish. OK, weird. Uh, but for my second at bat, I want you to play I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And then if, for my third at bat, play Philadelphia Freedom by Elton John. Uh, the, I can't remember the guy's name. I didn't I didn't put it in the notes. Uh, the music coordinator started to get noticed by some of the other production crew members going, why are you playing this music just for Lenny? Yeah. Uh, and he was like, oh, because Lenny told told him, don't tell anybody. This is just between you and me. Um, and so he was just like, screw it. I'm not doing it anymore. Um, but it kept happening. And one year later, the first real sort of instance of this happening was a then uh, unproven New York Yankee rookie named Derek Jeter, uh, who wanted to hear uh, This Is How We Do It by Montel Jordan before uh, his first at bat. 
And that's sort of where it took off from there. And, and you start seeing it happen. Uh, in 1998, we got our first Walk Out song mm-hmm. um, when the San Diego Padres started playing Hell's Bells by ACDC for uh, Hall of Fame closer Trevor Hoffman. One year later, although he did not request that. Mm-hmm. That was uh, a, a marketing a marketing director for San Diego over overheard a conversation where like how do we promote this guy how do we market Trevor Hoffman and so he went with that and it became iconic. Which it, the following Hell's year, Hell's Bells does oh, kind of Hell's Bells does kind of sound like a song that was specifically written to be a bullpen walkout song. <laughs> it's not a particularly interesting oh, yeah. rock song, but that intro is like oh shit, the Undertaker is coming into the stadium. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I saw somebody posted a video on Reddit the other day, and I'm going to send you the link. I'm going to go find it, and it, we can add it to the show, na- show notes. Because uh, they were talking about, like, hey, just look a couple years ago. Look how banging it was to go to an Oakland A's baseball game. Uh, Grant Balfour, their closer at the time, would come out to Metallica's one. Oh, shit. And the crowd, it, it literally, like, they were, they were pan, the cameras were panning the crowd, and there were old ladies, little kids, black, white, Hispanic. Everybody's just losing their goddamn minds as this guy's coming out. It's Grant Balfour. Like, who? Um, <laughs> but it, it just got everybody so pumped up. Um, in 1999, following the lead of Trevor Hoffman, a ascendant, uh, or an ascendant Mariano Rivera, who was not the Mario, Mariano Rivera we know now, but he was on the way to becoming that. That's when he started having Metallica's Enter Sandman, arguably one of the coolest uh, walk-in themes or walk-out themes ever to hear that coming in and know that Mariano Rivera, a guy with two pitches, uh, is going to come in and just destroy us. Really one pitch. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get a cutter and you're not going to hit it. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, that's sort of like the, the really the nutshell version of it. Players for a variety of reasons, choose the songs. Usually it's just a, a, a way to share their, a bit of their personality. Uh, Tori Hunter used to use, um, specifically a snippet from a Rick Ross song, uh, called luxury tax, but it was specifically the Lil Wayne feature, uh, the line, uh, it says, I couldn't play baseball at all, but now every day of my life, I ball. And Hunter told MLB.com that, that it was something, he said, quote, it's something that pertains to me. People told me that I wasn't going to play baseball when I was coming up, close quote. Hmm. Um, sometimes you have uh, baseball weirdos. Baseball is a sport that lends itself well to weirdos. Uh, former weirdo, uh, when he was with the Mets, Yoannis Cespedes, uh, would go with the circle of life from the lion king and would offer no further explanation <laughs> um brandon crawford uh when he was uh slumping one season it, i didn't have a year on this apparently he was having a bad june and decided to go with the kelly clarkson song to kind of break the slump improved his average by 20 points and kept it hell yeah so yeah it, there are uh, tons of stories you can get out there and, and, and go search for yourself some uh, a current favorite of mine is Oscar Gonzalez, of course, using the uh, the SpongeBob walk up. Uh, I didn't do any research on current ones uh, or SpongeBob theme song. Excuse me. I, I saw a Guardians game before I knew who he was, and I was there with my buddy Josh, and I was just like, "Is this the is it SpongeBob lives in a pineapple under the sea?" Oh my god, yeah. this is! And now kids and adults will go to the games dressed as SpongeBob in honor nice. of Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, so, god damn it, Cleveland doing something cool. Yeah, I remember do, last. Do you have any uh, oh, last season yeah, hearing that over the radio broadcast, and I was like, "Wait, what the hell is going on in there? Somebody's yeah. walk-up music." I, I obviously, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't 
defer to you because you currently root you root for the Mets, which currently has, in my opinion, one of the best the greatest walk walkout music. songs yeah. around. Yes, yes, uh, Narco by. Uh, Timmy Trumpets, Tommy Trumpets, I forget his name. Yes, it, it's it's te- it's technically Blaster Jacks, uh, featuring Timmy Trumpet, but uh, it is called right. Narco. And uh, my kids, it's a bath time favorite for my kids. But then I end up wet because they're just <laughs> splashing in the tub. It's, I mean, it's just a great sports song in general. You hear it a lot, like bumper music and hockey to go to commercials and shit. Um, but uh, Edwin Diaz last season just just took that song and made it his song to a point where the the broadcast team would not go to commercial before the ninth inning just to show him coming out to that song and see everybody get pumped. Mr. and Mrs. Met have toy trumpets that they're doing a little dance to. And it became such a phenomenon that they invited Tommy Trumpets to the stadium to perform it live last year. And uh, there was some. It was something like there were two blowout games in a row where he came to. They didn't need to go to the to Diaz at all for the ninth for the save. So they kind of just had him wait at the stadium for like three games in order to come out and play this song live. And it was awesome. Um, God, I miss him so much. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to say it's it's kind of good they did they did it last year, not this year, because the Mets are not they're not blowing people out. They're getting blown out and losing a lot. Yeah. But that's. I don't want to pile on to the Mets. What's up, guys? Matt here cutting in to say that there was a ton of stuff left on the cutting room floor this week. But as you can tell by the minutes and seconds on your podcast app, we're running a little long already. Time truly flies when you're talking baseball, and this podcast is no exception. However, this week Carl put together a badass list of what his own walk-up music would be, And I want to make sure you guys hear that, as well as my own picks. So check out our feed for a bonus episode dropping on Friday, or an extra innings episode, as I like to call it, to hear even more walk-up tunes, as well as our weekly dive into our favorite team, the Detroit Tigers, in our segment called Tiger Talk. That will drop Friday morning in the Put Me In Coach feed. Until then, the rest of the episode. Um, and that's going to do it for Put Me in Coach this week. Another uh, stellar episode on our end, if I if I can brag. Um, and, and you, of course, yeah. the listeners at home, know exactly what I'm talking about because you stuck out and you listened to this entire thing. You're like, oh, man, this is the greatest baseball podcast ever. Hey, if you think that, please, please go review the podcast. Leave us a nice review. Give us some nice stars. Uh, if you like this podcast, if you're listening on Spotify, there's a fun little um, question and answer section below the episode. Um, usually it asks, you know, how'd you feel about the episode? Maybe this week I'll say, like, what's your walk-up music? If you interact with us, it definitely helps us, helps our reach, and helps get to know you, the people that are listening to this. Um, and it would mean a whole lot to us. We're also on socials. We'll read those out in the and the credit section of the podcast that gets edited in later. Uh, other than that, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Carl, you got any parting thoughts? Uh, no, just once again, uh, I am I am eternally grateful to have this show and to have it with you. So thank you so much for doing this, uh, and and thank you listeners uh, for listening. If you're still here, uh, you're the real MVPs. I agree. You're the Miguel Cabrera triple crown of podcast audiences. <laughs> Put Me In Coach is an Arctic Sounds original podcast hosted by Matt Coggins and Carl Mizell. Theme music is by Quack Quack Seatback. Edited and produced by Matt Coggins. 
Check out the footnotes of this episode to see links to all the great highlights, articles, and sources we mentioned on the podcast today, as well as the full theme song and ways to get in touch with us. For more, find us on Twitter and Instagram at PutMeInPod or at our website, PutMeInCoachPod.com. Put Me In Coach Pod.